constantly wanting to create. Turning that for a enterprise, turning that towards business, you just learn how different forms of art, different types of creation engages users. Uh, you have to get your hands on things. I can't stress that enough because uh, you don't really know what you like until you try it. Welcome to Thriving United. If you're an innovator, an entrepreneur, or someone who relentlessly pursues success, this is the place for you. I'm your host, Gregory Alexander, discussing how to grind, grow, and succeed as an entrepreneur. You only have one life, so live it. I invite you to build something bigger than yourself, to create value and change the lives of others, to ultimately change the world. With that said, let's thrive. What is up, Thrivers? I'm your host, Gregory Alexander, and joining me today is the Swiss Army Knife, Chaz Stead. Chaz is a content creator and marketer. His love for creating pushed him to create Castle and Kennedy Creative, where he expanded his client base to reach across the East Coast. He is also the lead singer in Andrew in Vienna, as well as a past Praxis participant who has continued to design logos, build brands, videos, and motion graphics for companies. He is truly a Swiss Army Knife when it comes to content creation. Chaz, welcome to Thriving United. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be a part of this. Awesome. So tell the audience a little bit about what you do. Yeah. So as you said, I call myself a marketing Swiss Army knife because I do just a little bit of everything. Currently, I am working as a marketing associate for eResources. They do web development, software development, as well as uh, they're the parent company for three different divisions uh, that do IT services, outsourced bookkeeping, and document management or application management. So what I do on a daily basis is have thorough understandings of completely different markets and create top to bottom marketing strategies for all four. Then in my spare time, I do freelance graphic design, freelance web design, freelance photography, basically anything that I can get my hands on. I'm kind of a workaholic. I love it. <laughs> Same. So how did you get there, though? Will you tell us that story? Uh, tell us about the opportunities that you've created in your life that got you to where you are now. Yeah, of course. So I actually had a really, really strange journey to where I am now. When I was three, I started in musical theater. By 14, I was doing professional musical theater, continued that through 17 to where I was doing eight shows a week for three months at a time. Um, I did like 84 productions of Sound of Music. Just, wow. yeah, just a bizarre childhood. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was really super excited about music. I ended up going to school for that. And like you said, uh, started a band called Andrew in Vienna. We put out a record, we played a few festivals, we toured. Um, it was it was a great time. I loved playing. The bassist ended up getting into medical school. The drummer had a baby. So we parted ways. But Life happens. Yeah, yeah, life happens. So anyway, the first 20 years of my life were just spent consumed by music. Got to the end of college and 
realized um, I had only ever really done music related things. Like <laughs> there's no real relevant experience when you're like, okay, I've been a professional actor. I've been a radio DJ. Uh, I've also like toured and recorded music. Like you can't really take that and market it to a, <laughs> yeah, gotcha. nobody's, yeah, nobody's really hiring for a, all right, we need somebody to uh, tour part-time. Um, <laughs> anyway, so I started I started in marketing out of just a collection of skills. Uh, so I started doing photography just for fun. I never really intended it for to be a business. I just really enjoyed it. Uh, I shot a few weddings, and then that slowly rolled into... Last year, I think I shot 25. So, so what, I guess, I guess that's like a good spot to ask, what is Castle and Kennedy's Creatives? And at what point did that become realized? Yeah, so Castle and Kennedy Creative is, well, it started off as me and my wife. Um, my wife's name is Kennedy. Um, my middle name is Castle. And um, it started off as this husband and wife wedding team, which is super common in wedding photography. Uh, I would do a lot of, I mean, I would do all the photography, do all the editing, and she would kind of manage the day. So she would make sure that everything going on in the wedding or um, going on in the shoot was organized and everything was timed out. And it was, it was a really easy combination. And then it slowly turned into just all of my part-time creative work. So like right now I'm doing some, like I said, some freelance graphic design as well, some freelance web design, and all of that is now Castle and Kennedy Creative. When you stated that you expanded uh, your client base and obviously you're doing really well with that, can you like lay out maybe some like core principles or uh, just some steps that you've taken to um, make that a reality, um, to grow it in the way you have? Yeah, of course. So growing a client base um, for me was all about networking. Uh, it is making sure that each customer or client is super thrilled with their product. Um, we, I mean, being so incredibly digital in our culture, I mean, things like that just travel fast. Like people share their wedding photos and it's like three, 400 likes on every picture. So just making sure that you are creating work that not only you're proud of, but that your clients are proud of. Um, and having clients turn into advocates for you is the best marketing strategy that you can ever have because they are going to go into every little uh, corner of their network and preach a good word for you. Right. When you're des designing for a client or taking photos for a client, um, but mainly on the designing portion, of things. How do you approach that situation to make sure that you were fulfilling all of their needs to your fullest extent? I generally, I just want to be thorough. I mean, it starts in the client relationship. So uh, just making sure that you fully understand the product, but beyond that, understand the goals that the client wants and how the product is filling those needs and having the insight to create what they want but like create what is going to fulfill their needs, especially in the design realm. Um, if somebody asks you, Hey, can you design this? Like make sure that the copy is 
flawless, like that it is engaging. And that's typically not something a graphic designer would do. A graphic designer would just slop, not slop the words up, but they would just slap the words up and go on with a project. Like whatever they sent over, they would just put it up there. And I mean, just make content that is engaging for the audience. Okay. Gotcha. So for people that are interested maybe in graphic design and marketing, uh, what would be the best first step for them to begin their journey or maybe start a company like uh, Castle and Kennedy? What does that look like? So get your hands on something. That would be my first piece of advice. Um, Photography is a really great and easy place to start as a visual medium because there's such a low barrier for entry. Uh, You don't need to go out and buy a $3,400 MacBook Pro and get an Adobe subscription. Like you can go get a $300 Canon or Nikon and go out and start shooting. And that will teach you a lot about composition. Uh, It'll let you understand a lot about light. So photography is a great first step. Um, In terms of design, if you've already played around with things, there's a lot of great apps on your phone. Um, Like I used Mocha Deco for a long time, which is just this little cheap, I think it costs a dollar on the app store, but it just has all of these little things and you just lay it out. And that was how I started design. And it was terrible. (laughs) So what do you... It was absolutely terrible. (laughs) So now you're using what... Uh, so now I use Adobe Illustrator, Adobe Photoshop, Adobe XD, basically the whole Adobe Creative Suite. Um, and they're all good for different things. And it's really hard to understand that well without de- doing it. So, I mean, you've for somebody that wants to be a designer, go and get your hands on it. Watch YouTube tutorials. There's enough fantastic content out there to teach you anything. Uh, For example, I have only been working in Adobe Illustrator for about two years. So I've just put in a lot of time on my own, committed to I want to be a great designer. That's something that I'm super excited about, super passionate about. So, I mean, going beyond the work day, it's just, okay, nighttime, I'm gonna throw together a quick character design. And then maybe this weekend I'll try to make that character walk but yeah it's just make it fun if you make it work um you're gonna drive yourself crazy gotcha so um i guess i i want to tie that into how did you figure out what you wanted to do with your life or at least what you want to do right now i guess how did you discover what makes you come alive in a sense because you use the word passions and things of that nature but you decided to choose photography and just all those for certain reasons. Um, what did that, what was that? So I always knew that I loved creating things. Um, I grew up in a more artistic family. Um, my cousin does murals, like 30 foot long, 20 feet high, like sides of buildings. And he just paints giant monsters on them. And so you're growing up and you're seeing different creative influences and you're just like, I love all kinds of art and growing up in theater. You're just constantly wanting to create turning that for a enterprise, turning that towards business. You just learn how different forms of art, different 
types of creation engages users. Uh, you have to get your hands on things. Um, I can't stress that enough because uh, you don't really know what you like until you try it. Um, I mean, you might, okay, I like this element or I like this element and you just kind of niche down. You just get more and more specific as you go throughout your career journey. So like right now, I love design. I love, I'm growing to love writing. I was not a good writer a year ago, but just doing it has made me more comfortable with presenting myself through writing. Like right now I'm running six different blogs and that's just so much writing. <laughs> the company has four separate blogs and they each get updated every week. So it's just constant creation. But marketing is such this umbrella field for anything that can engage an audience. Because marketing is like the first little tip of the sales funnel. Like you have to have people educated about what your product is, what your service is. And that is marketing, whether that is a goofy video, whether that is blogging, whether that is podcasting, uh, you have to have people know what your service is and then actually be excited to take the next step in it. So where your salespeople don't have to fight people tooth and nail. I mean, marketing just shortens that sales cycle. And however that works, it works. Like marketing is not a ultimate fix it tool where you can do one thing and everything works out. So it's often described as this super uh, specific, like where you can be a SEO master or you can be a click funnel master. Um, and I don't think that that's necessarily the case. Having the knowledge of marketing as a whole and what the end goal is, that's how you become successful in it. I love it. Love it, man. So I guess I want to touch on uh, your involvement with Praxis uh, for a moment. And uh, how, how did you get there? Or I guess, why did you choose to do Praxis in the first place? And we'll start, we'll start from there. And then we'll uh, dive a little bit deeper into it. Okay, so I found out about Praxis through Simon Fraser, um, who's no longer with Praxis, but he is an excellent filmmaker. He was in Charleston, South Carolina. My wife and I were living there at the time. And he had a t-shirt on that just said F college. Love it. And, <laughs> and I could not have agreed with that statement more. So I was like, Hey, love your shirt. Tell me your story. Uh, <laughs> so then he's like, let me tell you about Praxis. And I was hooked. Um, I mean, the results they promise, like on the front end, you're just a little like, okay, I'm, I'm going to like guard myself a little bit. They really put this thing out there like, here's the results that we've gotten and it's super intimidating. And then you start going through the process and my wife was actually working at a uh, Praxis business partner at the time. And so I was seeing there was a Praxis participant in her company at the same time. So it was I had a very, what I thought of at the time was a very clear vision of how the process worked. And it seemed very authentic. It, it 
Um, it was something that I was confident engaging in and started going through it, got accepted. And about a month in, we found out my wife was pregnant. Mm -hmm. And that was a come to Jesus moment where I realized that like, I've got to kill this. So that was when I really started becoming a workhorse because I was working a full-time job in a warehouse and coming home at night. And I think I went through the first module of Praxis in two weeks. And then TK Coleman, the director of education at Praxis, just gave me another module to do. And it was, I had to like, it, it, it was, it was great. At the time, it was just a lot of work. <laughs> it's all how much you're willing to put into it. So if you're like, I want to grow, I want to, I mean, for your case, thrive, like put in the work. Um, there's no silver bullet for hours spent um, committed to what you want to do. So I like how you touched on, um, you know, the maybe the skepticism that people have when it comes to practice when compared to college. Uh, it does maybe have this uh, looks too good to be true. I, I I wrestled with that for a moment as well. But when you look at Praxis, uh, they have an awesome FAQ page. And then um, just all the podcasts that Isaac and TK Coleman are a part of. And just when you really see the brains that are behind the company, it really offers some assurance there. And so I haven't started yet personally. Uh, I, I don't start until July. So I'm still in pre-program or actually technically I haven't even started pre, but I'm definitely looking forward to it. So I guess I just want you to touch on maybe what's like one, one of the most valuable lessons that you've learned uh, by going through Praxis. Um, so the most valuable lesson that I learned by going through Praxis is there is no substitute for grinding, being willing to wake up an hour or two earlier and going to sleep an hour or two later because you need to finish what you're working on. Like, if you want to grow, nobody's going to do it for you. When you say grow, um, when you, you stretch yourself, and I think that's just basically like full throttle. Um, you, you call your work a work, self a workhorse. It's just uh, there is no balance between work and life. It's all just go, 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 go. Is that what you're saying? No. So there's there's absolutely a balance between work and life you just have to find it for yourself um like for me i make sure that um my daughter's about to turn one next month and like i have my wife so i i am very committed to spending time with them and that's like priority number one because without them i wouldn't even want to work like finding what you enjoy and being committed to your own growth you stop looking at it as necessarily work like a lot of what I'm doing at work, like I'm just pushing myself to be 5% better next time I go to it. It's it's not an overnight thing. Like life is a long time. Your career is a long thing. If you just push yourself to get better, you will. What are your thoughts on that? No, I completely agree with that. I I think that when you look at, if, you, if you're truly doing something that makes you fulfilled, uh, you will not view it as work, and I think that's a very good distinction that you made, because you do you because when you it's something you don't enjoy, it's drawing energy from you, but when it's something you enjoy, 
it might be drawing some energy from you, but it's putting energy into you as well. And so it's also a source of energy. And I think that's a huge factor depending on like what kind of job you do. And so that's why I think there also is this pressure to find, you know, what that job is like. I, I like long or people long for those, those jobs that do allow that energy source to draw from. And so that's something that, I wanted to make sure that I found. And so I going through, uh, going, like I said, I was in a state of introspection at one point, uh, just like constantly just questioning my existence, I guess. Um, it was, it was difficult, but I, I realized that it was just from, I started consuming a lot of podcasts at that time. And just going from that, I decided just to start something. And that's basically what you said is just get your hands dirty. And uh, that's when I decided to start a podcast and uh, do a few other things as well. But uh, I really, but I'm learning so much more uh, by just doing it and realizing that this is something that gives me a source of energy. And so, yes, there is technically work to do with it. But the fact that uh, I enjoy doing it, there is this there's not there's you don't necessarily even see a balance to be had at that point uh it's just all just kind of flows together yeah seamlessly yeah of course like i have found myself on a saturday like i want to put together put together a graphic design project like i've done it monday through friday and you know i just really like i've seen this guy's graphic designer x's work and i want to be like him i'm gonna pull four of his images down and either try and recreate them or try and do my own in his style. Um, and then find myself like three, four hours later, like, like a kid playing with Legos, like just as happy as can be just like giddy, like, Haha, I didn't know I could do that. And so it, it, everyone is passionate about something like just put your hands to it. And if you're scared about getting out in front of people and you want to wait till something's perfect to put it out there, you're never going to do it. Uh, the majority of my audience is younger students in high school and in college. What's the most valuable lesson that you've learned throughout your life that can act as actionable advice for the young adults of today? Um, what can they be doing right now that will help them turn their goals into a reality? My advice would be to create something. Just start something earlier in your life than I did. Um, I, and I, I, I've said this, but you can't really know where you want to go until you start. Because you might get two years into it and say, you know, I don't really like this or I don't like this part of this. So can I just pivot? And that puts you so much farther ahead than anyone else competing with you. So I want to relate that back to college for some reason. Can you relate that back to maybe your college experience and what came about of that? What were your thoughts? Do you regret going um, or what does that look like? Yeah, I actually, I went to college for like five years. Um, I I ended up getting a pretty decent um, scholarship for music. Um, And um, I went to a, an expensive school which hindsight never should have done that. But I went there for five years and got to the fifth year. And I only had a few classes left, but my financial aid had run out. And I just wanted to graduate. 
And so I got to a point where I was working at a winery. I was working at a church and then I was teaching like voice, piano and guitar lessons to as many people as I could. And I was going to school full time and then trying to make these outrageous payments every month to keep me in school. And got to a point where I was sleeping in my car in the parking lot of the school because I had no gas money to get to my house, like to get to my parents' house because I couldn't afford rent. Um, it was just the worst situation. So um, I was like nine credits short of graduation and living in my car. And I just decided like I can make a better living for myself than to try and squeak this out. I'm going to reset and see what takes me. Cause after all it was a music degree. So like there wasn't a whole lot I was going to do with it anyway, but that does um, college to me from my experience and everyone that I saw there um, seemed to take this very like sit back approach, like knowledge is presented to you. Okay. I'm going to absorb this knowledge over the course of four years and shell out a whole bunch of money. And then somehow I'm going to be like employable afterwards. Like it's, it's illogical. Maybe don't go out and take a, like a $20,000 business loan out, but starting a business is a much better use of your time because like you can teach somebody hard skills. You can't teach somebody soft skills. So I think, you know, you can, you can teach somebody, uh, coding or design principles and how to apply those to maybe a work, uh, in Adobe illustrator. Uh, but you can't, uh, tell them how to be creative and make it their own and yeah or how to keep a customer happy right and so when you apply it to an um a, your own business you have that it forces you to become creative and uh start figuring things out for yourself and developing those soft skills yeah and even learning how to pitch yourself mm-hmm. like it's something that's never taught in college like i mean it would be a super interesting principle if before the start of every semester, the students had to pitch themselves to professors to get into the class. Like, cause that, cause that is really how business works. Like, Hey, I need to present to you why I deserve or not why I deserve, why I will be the best fit for being in your class. No, that, I completely agree. And I think, I think it would be super interesting. It would be very interesting because for at least for me, um, I took, I've, well, I'm in, I'm taking one year of college, uh, cause I'm currently, I'm currently a senior in high school, so uh, I took some, I don't know if you're familiar with the dual enrollment or not, but uh, yeah, so I'm taking at least, I have one year of free college, and I decided, why not try it out, see what it's about, and then I realized I hated it, but uh, but I look around me in my classes, because um, I'm just finishing them up to graduate, and there, there'll be days where I just see, I, I, I'll sit like in the middle section, and there'll be people two, three rows in front of me that are watching YouTube, watching Netflix, uh, sleeping. Or like, I'm like, you're paying for a class to do this. Like, I, I, the, the, I just do not understand that at all. And so there's these people that they don't even care about the classes that they're taking uh, to any degree. And maybe that's because you can get on to a whole other topic of like the schools forcing uh, certain credits to be 
uh, for certain people. Um, you so you have your general educational studies, which that's a whole problem in itself, but in my opinion, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, to, for them to pitch themselves to a class, um, I think would be very interesting because so many people don't care, uh, in that regard, uh, enough to try to pitch themselves to a class in my, in my opinion, or at least in my experience. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and there's another issue that I've seen, um, and it, it, it's the difference between, I mean, an educational setting and the real world, um, is, were you homeschooled, public schooled, private schooled? Public schooled. Public schooled as well. What's up? Um, <laughs> we wrote so many papers. We spent mm-hmm. so much time writing and we never put our work out there. And it's, it's something like we never wrote with the intention of someone reading it. And that is asinine to me. And it's something that I never thought about until this past year. Like, what if you had to write something that somebody would read? Because that is the whole point of it. And so much of college specifically is I'm going to spend a lot of time working on this paper. Uh, It's going to be five to eight pages long. And I'm going to give it to my professor and then throw it in the deepest corner of my computer. Just like, so that I never have to see it again. And that's just backwards. You're absolutely right. Because at the end of the day, like one person's objective opinion on whether something is good or not is, is irrelevant. We, you know, going and looking at the public system, uh, beyond just writing just everything uh that is the way it's structured uh and even in forms of grading uh i think uh, when you allow uh one one person to evaluate your your work and then throw a symbol on that uh, that is related to like factory work i think is a, another huge problem but just piggyback on that like if when you have the world as your greater um that it's it's feedback and but it it doesn't seem as like or at least for me because i was a straight a student uh I, I just i was scared to get anything less than an a and i think that's a horrible mindset and I, it took me a long time to get out of that but having the feedback of the world as opposed to just um you know a letter uh stamped on the front of your paper um, without maybe even an explanation as to why you got that, um, I think is so much more, it, it, it promotes much more growth when you have real feedback and honest feedback from the world uh, and the marketplace uh, evaluates your work as opposed to just one person. Does that, make, uh, does that make sense? Yeah, of course. So the market, the real world is so much more involved than a grading system. So like you can write, an excellent blog post. You can write an excellent article or an expose and it be fundamentally correct. Like, congratulations. You have all your Oxford commas in the right place. You're all set. Um, And people can just disagree with your opinion. They can say it's a bad article from a factual perspective or a contextual perspective. Like, and in education, they would just go, it's a nice paper. 
Um, and in the real world, you have to form your opinion, support it, and people still might not like it. <laughs> uh, which I also think is a great, uh, great skill to also learn and uh, to deal with criticism um, and take that in a, in a healthy way and use that for growth. Yeah. So one of one of my first uh, experiences into marketing was uh, working as a radio DJ. Um, I was a weekend and night radio DJ for like a year, and it was my first experience like working with the public in mass and you realize just how like mean people can be you're, you're getting text messages emails everything flooding in at you at once and you're just like okay and we're just gonna play this next song anyway yeah so how often do you read and what is one book you would recommend to the audience i actually don't read as much as i would like um that said i am in the middle of a book called uh, To Shake the Sleeping Self by Jedediah Jenkins. And I can't recommend this book enough. He took his bicycle and rode from Oregon all the way down the coast of California, Mexico, Central America, South America, all the way down to Patagonia in Chile. And it took him 18 months just on his bicycle. And I had a mentor a few years ago that turned me on to just travel as a genre. And I love it because I think travel is so enlightening for people just to experience different cultures and then experience themselves in the light of other cultures. Um, it just, it changes your worldview. It changes your perspective. Like very few other things can. And seeing his insight on his journey is illuminating wow that sounds really interesting i'm definitely gonna have to check that out and for the listeners that also want to check that out i will leave that in the show notes um wrapping it up here um how can the audience get in contact with you if you wish yeah so my website is chazstead.com and you can email me at chaz at chazstead.com that's or instagram or any of the other social medias (laughs) What the kids are doing these days. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, by the way, how old are you now? I am 27. 27? Okay, so, awesome. Yeah, so I think I, was, I think I was the oldest Praxis participant to ever go through. I think I was 25 when I applied. No, no, I would have been, been 26 when I applied. And um, I finished the program in November. Um, And then I got my job offer at my BP, which like, what's up to Praxis? Um, (laughs) But yeah, I was, I was 27 when I finished it. Wow. So, and I was for sure the only one to have a baby during the program. Wow. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) That's crazy. It was, it was, (laughs) my daughter was born five days before I started at my BP. I can't Um, even imagine how much anxiety you're already having just from the BP um, and starting that venture. (laughs) <laughs> and, then, and then you throw in that and you're like okay cool i have to keep this tiny person alive <laughs> yes yes but I, in a way I, I i see how that motivated you to get it together and stay to it you know yeah i mean it it's just pressure and putting pressure on yourself and keeping it there so that like you can grow i mean like if 
Okay, so if I were to put a numeric system to like being stretched, you should always be at like a seven. Like being at like a ten, you're like letting things fall through the cracks. Um, like you should always be at a seven for sure. Um, cause like, if you think about like hitting growth spurts as a kid, like they weren't like pleasant experiences. Like if you grow in your career, in your personal life, um, in your skill set, like it's probably not going to be a pleasant experience. You're probably going to be pissed off the entire time. <laughs> like you're going to be like, why can't I do this? Like, no, uh, oh. yeah, I love that. So, well, yeah. Chaz, thank you for your time and sharing your story with the Thriving United community. You're definitely an inspiration, and I can't wait to follow you as you continue your journey. It's been a pleasure, man, and I hope you have a great day. Of course. Thanks so much, Gregory. Hey, Thrivers. I just want to say thanks again for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed it, I ask that you rate and review if you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or Google Play Music, that will really help the show rank. If you're listening on the website, feel free to comment or join the forum and join the discussion. I'd love to hear from you and hear about the adversity that you're going through. And I just want to say, if you are curious about continuing to learn and grow your abilities and skills to further the discussion that me and Chaz had, I just want to further solidify this. It is the learning experience of creating something to sell specifically. It's immense. It's absolutely crazy because you have market pressure. You have pressure from other people. You have this accountability there when it's real, when people know about it. And that's good. Pressure is good. So if you want to get good at photography, if you want to be a good painter, if you want to uh, be a good writer, write a book. See if it sells. Write a blog post. See if people actually read it. Don't just write in your journal. Don't just take pictures that you store on your phone. Put them out there. See what how people react to it. Maybe build your own business around that skill. Whatever it is, I think it's a great idea to monetize it, to get it out there and build something bigger than just your passion, to create value for others. Don't just hold that creativity in and use it for yourself. Gain value from it. Allow it to affect others while you also gain value yourself from your hard work. I think it's brilliant. So get out there, be an entrepreneur, and build something bigger than yourself. That's all I have for this week, guys. With that said, keep grinding, keep growing, let's thrive.